It's a good day today, isn't it? Are you feeling good? If you're not feeling good, you're going to feel good by the end of what I've got to share. I'm absolutely certain about this. I, I don't say that with doubt in my mind at all. I, I got excited about the sermon preparing it. And that doesn't always happen. I'm just being honest with you. Yeah, Can I be honest today? Is it okay to be honest? Sometimes, you know, reading the Bible feels like it's boring. I'm just being honest with you. Sometimes I, I read Kings the other day, two Kings, and I got to this list of begat, 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 begat. And I thought, I don't get this bit. I don't, I don't know what you're trying to say to me, God. But I know it's living and effective, so I'm going to read it anyway. I'm going to trust the. How, how many people have had to take medicine that tastes horrible? All of us, yeah. We, uh, uh, but, but we do it because the doctor encourages us, and or mum encourages us, or dad encourages us, and we know it's going to do us good. Sometimes stuff I read in the Bible, I feel I want to go, Bleh! just like that horrible tasting medicine. But you know what? I know it does me good, so I'm going to read it anyway. And there'll be some questions I've got for God in heaven. I say, what's this bit about God? Because I still didn't, I still don't understand it. But what I'm talking about this morning is faith in action. Faith in action. And for those listening online, those listening later, for those in the room, every one of us has faith. Even if we're not yet a Christian, we still have faith. Let me prove this to you. Let me show you this. How many people have ever been rock climbing? Okay, quite a few people. Anybody else been hang gliding? Anybody been parachuting? Okay. Anybody um, had to walk along the edge of a cliff, a cliff path? And maybe you have, okay, so lots of hands going up there. Every one of those things sounds dangerous. But in most of those situations, parachute, you've got to trust the parachute's going to work. You've got to have faith in the person who packed the parachute. When you, when you climb a rock wall, you have a rope that holds you and you need to trust the person on the other end of the rope not to let go. You need to have faith that the rope's going to be strong. So faith is something that we have in things that we don't necessarily understand. And I want to start with James chapter 2, verses 17 and 18, because faith, just having faith is not enough. Faith needs to result in action. And so James chapter 2, verses 17 and 18 says this, Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Strong words there. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without works and I will show you my faith by my works. Actually, you know, faith without works. It needs to result in some action. It needs to result in some movement. It needs to result in consequences. So us just saying we think something, if we do something different, we have to watch out. I don't know whether you've heard this phrase. Just do what I say, not what I do. That's two-mindedness. You say one thing and do something else. Do we wonder sometimes? Actually, this week I was on holiday in Cornwall and there were lots of children because it was half term. And I, I remember overhearing this conversation where this child swore. A young child, under 10, swore. And his, I assume it was his mother, turned around to him and said, I don't know where you've learnt that from, and then just filled the whole street with swear words. And I thought, I know exactly where you've just learnt that from. 
And people do copy us. Children copy us. If, if you don't believe me, just watch how sons and daughters watch their mums and dads and they want to copy them. Do you know, I, there's, a, there's a thing that I don't think I do too much these days, but I, I used to do this quite a bit. I'd rub my nose like that. Do you know what? When I was younger, I was watching a video of my dad and I thought, my dad does exactly the same thing. And so I don't think it's DNA at all. I'm not saying it's genetic, but hanging around my dad, I learned some habits like my dad. If you want to test this, you know, sometimes you just want to go, <clears throat> when you want to attract somebody's attention without saying anything, you know, when you want to show somebody you're there, maybe you're, you're trying to get past someone in a corridor and they're standing chatting and you, you might go, excuse me, but sometimes people will go, <clears throat> do you know where you learned that from? Most people, whatever the intonation of that is, because there's lots of different ways of going, I'm just, there's three different languages for you straight away. But we, we learned that from our parents. And we'll learn it fairly early. I've heard little children under two doing exactly the same thing as their parents. So we learn stuff. And actually, we learn stuff that goes in our heads, but we learn stuff that goes in our hearts. Now, we can learn through our ears, we can hear stuff, but you know, we, we learn stuff through our eyes as well. We learn stuff through our eyes, and actually, you can see so much more. There's a my, one of my favourite, favourite books when I was a student was a book called The Little Red Hen. Has anybody seen it? It's a little children's book, and it's a, it's a story. Now, if you're a words person, and some people will be words person in the room, you will read the story. And you'll get a story about a little red hen. If you're a picture person, you will look through the book and you'll get a story about the fox. Because the story in the pictures is different to the story in the words. It's a very, very clever book. And uh, if you read it to a child, and I, re I remember reading it when I was a primary school teacher, I remember sitting down. And I hadn't realised this at all. I read the story, I read the book. And then I said to this child, because I was trying to encourage them to read, now you tell me the story. We proceeded, we went back to page one, and, said, and I, I said, another little red hen, and they went, no, 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 this story's not about a little red hen, Mr. Food. This story's about a fox. I said, excuse me. She said, look. And she then told me the story all the way through, pointing at the fox in the story. And I said, you know what? You're right. And she was. She'd seen something completely different. And so when we see faith in action, it needs to be aligned with what we say. So I wonder sometimes when you say one thing and do another, how many people believe that prayer works? Okay, lots of hands up. Fantastic. Okay, I'm going to go a little further with that question. How many people believe prayer can work today? Okay, lots more hands. Didn't quite shoot up quite as quickly there. How many people believe your prayer can work today? Okay, a little slower again. And okay, and... If, if I said, actually, I've just broken my finger. Can somebody pray for my, for my finger? You might say, well, just take it to the hospital and get it put in the cast or get it strapped up. But I want to pray first. You know, my first point of call, my first emergency service is always God. You can dial 99, you can ring the police, you can ring the fire, you can ring the ambulance. You probably, if, if your house is on fire, I'd encourage you to do that at the same time as pray. But... Do you know, why not involve God right from the beginning? Darren and Kathy would tell us that. They, they would evidence that. You know, th there are times when we just need to cry out to God. 
We need to cry out to God. I was talking to someone this week who said they were in a car and there was a car coming towards them and they said, Jesus, you're going to have to help me right now. They didn't say, well, where's the police to get this car on the other side of the road? There wasn't time for that. There wasn't an accident. There wasn't a crash. Things were okay. Now, here's the interesting thing. We are sponges. We absorb stuff. We absorb stuff from our environment. We absorb stuff from what we read and what we see. If you want a healthy mind, feed it with healthy things. If you want a healthy spirit, feed it with healthy spiritual things. It's a great place to start. Again, I said to somebody this week, get around people who feed you. Don't just get around people who will draw from you. Because, you know, we need, we need a balanced diet. If, if you work in a service where you give, if you're a doctor or a nurse, if you're a carer in some way or other, and you're always giving, we need to find a place where we are going to be refreshed and restored so that we continue to say and believe and do what we believe and say. Do you know we are living epistles? In uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 2, it says this. You are an epistle written in the hearts, known and read by all men. You, that's you and me, we're living epistles. There are plenty of films that I have watched that have been in other languages. Do you know, I've actually turned off the subtitles and I've watched the film just from the pictures. Do you know what? I learned to be able to I learned to be able to tell the story from doing that kind of thing. Many of you remember Isabel. Isabel's been living in Miami at the moment. Isabel was part of our church for a number of years. Still is. She's probably watching now if you are. Um, they've got up early in Miami because it will be early because the clocks went back. But you know, she'll be listening. I remember sitting in a conference. Now Isabel had about 80 words in English. She was Mexican, she spoke brilliant Spanish. But she only spoke a few words in English. I remember going to a conference. We were at a conference in Derby. And I saw Isabel sitting in front of me. There was Isabel. And there was a lady sitting next to her. Can I describe her as a lady with a purple rinse? Would you understand what I said? She was an elder lady from a different generation. And their heads went together. In the time before the service, their heads went together. And there was quite, quite clearly communication going on. And I was thinking, I wonder what's happening here. I wonder what kind of miracle is happening here. Has she sat next to the only person over 60 who speaks Spanish in the room? That could have been quite possible. And they were having a conversation. Uh, is she sitting next to a lady who's deaf, who cannot un understand but nods in the right places? Because that could have been true too. I've seen that happen. Or are they speaking in other languages? Are they speaking in other languages, heavenly tongues? And is there divine interpretation going on? Because their heads weren't just together for one or two minutes. They were quite clearly communicating for five, six, seven minutes. We are living epistles. And God causes us to show in our lives what we believe. And what we believe in our hearts, we need to show forth in our lives. So we get beyond just saying, do what I say. So just follow what I do. Is what we believe connected with what we do and say? Matthew 5, verses 33 to 37. Because I want to take this to a very real place. Um, let me tell you the story, first of all. Um, I don't know whether you ever had to be a witness in a court case. But I was going to, I was going to be, I, I have been a number of times. And I just wanted to be wise about how I gave my testimony. 
And when you stand up to give a, a witness, to give a testimony, they give you an opportunity to swear. And quite often they will bring the Bible and they will say, will you swear on the Bible? So let me read this scripture because this, this, is, this is what I read. Again, you have heard that it is said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform your oaths to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by earth, for it is his footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it is his city of the great king. Nor shall you swear by your head, because you cannot make one hair white or black. But let your yes be yes, and your no, no. For whatever is more than these things is from the evil one. And one of the reasons why I think the scripture there is I don't think God wants to get involved in our promises. Because they're human promises and they fail, and that will reflect back on him. But you know what? I had to decide. You know, I was, and it was quite clear I, was, I got introduced as a minister of faith, a minister of religion. And then they said, would, would, you, would you take an oath? And I went, yes, I'll, I'll swear to tell the truth and nothing but the truth. I'm happy with that, but not on the Bible. You know, my word is my word. And that's the point, that we need to say yes. Now, in a world of political correctness, we live in a place where sometimes we have to kind of, we feel we should kind of step back from the truth. And there's plenty of evidence of that, where people have done that. I'll encourage you to just say what God wants you to say. To say it with boldness, to say it with faith, to say it with truth. So, I got there. They asked me, and I already spoke to the usher and just said, look, I, I don't want to swear on the Bible. I don't want to make that an issue. So he said, that's fine. You can do the other one. And I went, okay, that's fine. Let, you know, I promise to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And then they, all the questions they asked me, I could, could I, I had prayed before. Now, I don't know the purpose of the prosecuting counsel is always to, to make it the person who they're defending, or so, who, who, they're, who they're prosecuting, look bad. To, to bring in question, to, to bring into question their testimony. And then the purpose of the defending counsel is to make them look okay. So questions are asked from different perspectives. And you still want to be truthful. And you must have watched court cases where people want to go, yes, but, or no, but. No, no just answer the question. You know, I didn't want to be put in that kind of place, so I prayed. I just said, Lord, let my yes be yes and let my no be no. Let there be no greyness at all. You might have heard the phrase, a little white lie. You know, there are no black and white, you know. Lies are, they're either lies or they're truth. And we can, say, we can say truth in gentle ways, that's a different thing. But it's still truth. Do you know what I have found? Because I have lied from time to time. I confess, I have. Maybe you have too. Maybe you're better than me. I don't, I don't know. But you know what? What I have found is that when I tell a little lie, it becomes a bigger problem. It becomes a bigger problem because now you've got to build a world that isn't real. That's built around that lie. And so sometimes you end up needing to tell another lie to justify the first lie. And suddenly you, you've got a web of lies. And I believe that's why when... The story of putting on the armour of God. It says, put on the belt of truth. For me, the belt of truth is the thing that holds everything together. It holds 
it holds the breastplate down. You know, it holds things together. If we haven't got a belt on and your trousers are loose, your trousers fall down. Truth is important. And truth is important too by sharing our faith. Sometimes people will ask you questions and you have to decide how you're going to share them. I had some good friends. I won't name them because I don't think it's appropriate this morning. But I have some good friends who felt they should go as missionaries. And they applied to go to missionaries in Saudi Arabia. And there's a mission organization that sent people to Saudi Arabia. Because you know what? You're not allowed to preach in Saudi Arabia. If you preach, you can get arrested. You can get put in prison. So it's a very different place to share your faith. You are allowed to answer questions. So if somebody asks you a question, then you are allowed to answer the question. That's fine. And so that this mission organization was going to send them. He was going to be a manager in a hotel. She was going to be singing in the, in the cabaret. And they prepared. They went on some training courses. And the whole thing was our lives need to ask people questions. Cause people to ask questions. Why did you do that? What made you say that? I've noticed that you don't get angry. How does that work? Do you know the reason they decided not to go was they didn't believe their, their lives asked enough questions. And I thought, wow, that's a bold thing to say. And they were honest enough with themselves. So I want to ask us this morning. Does your life, does my life ask enough questions? Does the way we behave ask enough questions? Most of you know that I was diagnosed with cancer just over 11 years ago. Do you know, and I felt absolutely peaceful about it. Judy and I, we prayed together. Okay, it's something we had to go through. It's a very common thing. And it, it's a very common thing. People have to deal with this stuff. People survive cancer now. It's a very common thing that people survive cancer. And yet we still don't want to talk about it. It's that kind of word we don't want to say. But you know what? I had a peace, Judy. We, we had a peace in our hearts that it was going to be okay. I'd had a bike accident when I was 15. My knee had hit the car. Ever since I was 15, my knee just got more and more problematic. Eventually, a doctor said, well, you better get that looked at. So in my, because I, I was preparing my, my bad, preferring my good leg. So the doctor said, well, um, actually, the, doctor, the reason the doctor said you better get that looked at was, you know, when you go to the doctor and they, they test your reflexes, they tap your knee. If you tap that knee, if you tap it now, it hurts. And so I said, please, if you're going to test my reflexes, don't do that knee. No, no, I need to do that. It's part of the... Part of, I said, well, I'm just warning you, if you tap that knee, I will kick you across the room. <laughs> and so I just gently tapped my knee, and my knee went bang. I said, I did tell you. I did warn you. Um, you know, one time, it actually, I literally kicked the doctor out of the chair. I said, it's, it's a reflex. That's what you're testing, and uh, that's my reflex. But... Um, I went to have a checkup, and they, they said, okay, it's a calcified tendon. It just needs operating on. Gonna, I won't go into the gruesome details for people who don't like operations. But they, they dealt with it, and everything was okay. Now, I came out of hospital, and I was told I was going to be, um, I was, I was going to be on painkillers, have some stitches, and um, I'd be on crutches for a few days. I walked out of the hospital without painkillers, and the first time I went back to the doctors, they took the stitches out and said, everything's fine. So I thought it was all done and dusted. But the final I had one final checkup just to make sure everything was okay. And the, the doctor was white when I walked in the room. And he looked at me and he said, Mr. Food, I'm sorry, I'm really very sorry. I have some bad news for you. And I went, 
oh, why, what's the problem? And they'd taken the tissue that they took out of my knee and they'd analysed it and it was cancerous. It's not surprising considering it had been a problem since I was 15. You know, it, my knee was upset. It was my cells responding to those kind of things. And, he's, and he, he was quite shocked because that wasn't what he was expecting. Do you know what? I, I said, it's okay. It's okay. I have peace about this. And I got on a plane and went to, it's, it's, last, it's, last time I went to Uganda, Julie, or time before last I went to Uganda. Uh, so it's a long time ago. And I got on the plane with complete peace in my heart, even though I knew that this... was going on. I think I just turned it the wrong way. And I prayed and I saw God do some amazing things in, in Uganda. And I thought, okay, God, you are the God of the... I, I prayed for a lady who had a goiter around her neck. And I put my hands on her neck and I prayed and I felt this goiter disappearing. I kept my eyes really tightly closed because I could feel it disappearing under my hands and I thought, if I open my eyes, will it stop? But I, I, it, it was disappearing under my hands. And I just thought, okay, God, you're the God of this lady's healing. You're the God of my knee. Came back and, you know, I had to, I had to have treatment, and it, but it was all okay. The point I'm making is people looked at us, people in the church, people we worked with, friends in our family, all looked at us and said, where's your face now? Oh, that's where the rubber hit the road in my journey. That's where the rubber hit the road. Am I going to trust my God despite the diagnosis? Because I did. We did. We said we have peace about this. It's okay. It's all right. And do you know what? That supernatural peace asked questions. People said to us, how can you have peace with this diagnosis hanging over your head? I got made redundant at exactly the same time. Exactly the same time I got this diagnosis, I got made redundant. I said, how can you have peace now? You've got no income. And you're going through this treatment. I said, God's in control. God knows. I haven't got time this morning to share how quickly I got another job and how it all worked out. But it did. It worked out. God is for us. He's not against us. And, you know, there's a place where we need to decide, do we really believe what we say we believe? And does the actions of our life show that? John chapter 5, verses 19 and 20. Because I guess the question then comes, well, okay, what should I be doing? On a daily basis, what should I be doing? John chapter 5, 19 and 20. Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son of Man can do nothing by himself. But what he sees the Father do, for whatever he does, the Son also does in a like manner. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself does. And he will show him greater works than these, that you may marvel. And Jesus went on to say, you will do greater things than I have done. Now, if we will only do what the Father asks us to do, if we would just align ourselves with his purpose in our lives. Do you know what? I've been reading the book of James on and off. I think it's, it's a... It's a you, you, some of you have reading plans. I've got two or three reading plans going on at the same time. And one of them is a slow journey through James. I'm reading two verses a day. It's not hard. But you know what? I am, I am really getting into the book of James. And uh, it's, I, I guess it's one of those letters that I love. James chapter 4, verses 13 to 15 says this. 
come now. You who say today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapour that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. Some of us will remember a lovely lady called Irene who used to be part of our fellowship. It was a phrase she used on a very regular basis. We'll say things like, see you tomorrow then, Irene. And she'd say, if the Lord wills, Lord willing, something like that. Do you know what? None of us know what tomorrow contains. We could look at our diary and we could look at, okay, I'm going to work tomorrow and I'm going to be on the 827 from Egham to London. Or whatever. whatever. You could look at your diary. Or you, maybe you do the same thing every Monday morning. Um, you know, you, your Monday is so regulated that you can say, this is what I will be doing at 1127 tomorrow. Because that's a pattern that you're in. But you know, we still don't know what tomorrow contains. We have an idea. We have a thought. But our plans are not God's plans and God's plans are not our plans, which is probably pretty good. Because my plans often fail. My ideas are often fall short. God's don't. And so, let us boast in the Lord, because that's where it goes on to say. It goes on to say in James at the end of chapter 4, that we may boast in the Lord. And so I want to put this into practice. I want to put this into practice. I want to go a little bit further on in James. And I actually want to put, I, I wanted a working example. Some of you know I'm a teacher. I have been a teacher. I, still, I guess I still am a teacher. Uh, I teach and, you know, teach, taught, teached. That's terrible English, isn't it? <laughs> I, <laughs> I wasn't an English teacher. But I, 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 I was trained as a primary school teacher. I was the only male person because I was specialised in infants. That's why I love play. That's why I love the little red hen. And now I'm teaching people, adults and older. Um, but I still like to play. I still like to have fun. I still like to tell a story once in a while. And so I want a practical example, practical example to a story. I don't just want to give you a theory this morning. I just don't want to just challenge you and say, what do you believe? Put it into action. I want to show you that too. So let me go on to a scripture um, that I could give you many testimonies about why it's true. But James chapter 5, verses 13 to 15. I want you to think about this now. If we believe this to be true, what are we going to do this morning? Is any amongst you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is any amongst you sick? Let him call on the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And he... And if he, has been, if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your sins to one another and so it goes on. But this is the scripture I want to focus on. Is any amongst you sick? Let him call on the elders of the church and let them pray. I asked you earlier on, do you believe that prayer works? Now, I'm going to make this very personal. I'm going to make it personal for me and then you can take it where you want to take it. Do you know, there are sometimes... I have a dodgy ear. My, my, ear can, my ear can get blocked up on a regular basis. And so sometimes people will say to me, Dave, can I pray for you? And I go, no, no, it's okay, thank you very much. And so I think it's a very British thing. You can, you can correct me if you disagree with me. Maybe it's more than a British thing. Maybe it's a human thing. 
But we don't, we don't want to be too much trouble. We don't want to worry people. We don't want to concern people. We don't want to bother people. We don't want to go to the place where somebody might pray for us and the prayer doesn't get answered. I'm going to that ouch place today. That we, we, we don't want to risk our relationship with somebody else to ask them to pray for us and then their prayer doesn't work. Yeah, that's the reality. So when somebody says to me, maybe, maybe somebody sees you limp into church. And it's quite clear that you've got something that's uncomfortable, painful. It might be an ingrown toenail, it might be a, a bruised knee, it might be a painful hip, you might have slept wrong, but something is causing you to walk with a limp. And somebody will notice, because that's what church is about. Somebody will look at you and say, can I pray for you? And that comes from a heart of love that says, I know a God who hears my prayers, doesn't always answer them the way I expect to them, but he hears my prayers and I want to pray. Now in that moment, when you come, no, that's no, all right, I'll walk with a limp. I quite enjoy walking with a limp. I quite enjoy struggling. Well, okay, if you want to say that, say that. I think most of us would be crazy to say that, but if you, you know, but I think sometimes we think that, actually, no, I quite enjoy this. I prayed for somebody once who was in a wheelchair. Um, I, I, don't even, I can't even remember what they had, but they'd been in a wheelchair for a couple of years. And I prayed for them along with other people. I don't want any glory from this. God did the healing. But they got out of the wheelchair and they, they testified on the microphone in the church that God had healed them. And they walked out of the church without the wheelchair. I heard that weeks later, because this is a church that I, you know, a long way away from where I live, and uh, I heard weeks later she arrived back in church in a wheelchair. And then I heard from the pastor, you know, she couldn't think about what her life would be like being able to walk because she got benefits and she got money when she was in the wheelchair. And the chains of her mind constrained her to think that and we'd whispered in her ear and said, you know, well, what's life going to be like? You're going to have to go back to work rather than get this free money. And I, I, I'm, not, I'm, I'm really not getting into disability or anything like that. I'm just saying in this particular situation, she got out of the wheelchair. God had healed her. And, you know, and then that constrained her, limited her. But sometimes you'll say, thanks, I'm all right. And we don't want to put in risk our relationship with somebody. I've been prayed for by children, and God has answered their prayers. You know, you don't have to be an expert with a graduate degree in praying to be able to pray. You don't have to. Some of us think, oh, uh, we'll let Dave do it. Dave's the expert. We'll let Simon do it. Yasmin do it. None of us are experts, are we, guys? We're just, we're just willing. We're available. We're willing to have a go and to pray. I prayed some prayers that I got to the end of the prayer and thought that was a really rubbish prayer. I prayed some prayers, if I'm really honest with you, weren't filled with faith. I think I've told this story before, but I'll tell it again as a kind of wrap-up story. I was in a church in Mexico. I shouldn't have been in this church. It wasn't part of my plan. It wasn't part of my itinerary, but I ended up being in this church in Mexico. I was told this was a really traditional Methodist church. Now, for anybody who's Methodist, I love Methodists too, so please get me right here. Um, but when, they, when I say traditional Methodist church, the ladies sat on the right, the men sat on the left. The ladies covered their heads. 
You know, there's a whole set of rules and regulations about the way they did things. And I'm not knocking that at all. I'm just giving you the context. So I was told, Dave, please preach your sermon. Um, don't prophesy. Don't pray for people. Just preach your sermon and sit down. Claudia was my translator. I got up. I preached my sermon. I preached on the life of Joseph. I got to the end and I went and I felt God nudge me in the back. And so instead of sitting down, I walked over to the pastor and said, Sir, you're the leader in this place. This is your church. Um, I finished. I, I didn't do this out loud. I just quietly spoke to him through the translator and said, Sir, if you'd like me to sit down, I'm finished. But if you'd like me to pray for anybody, I'm willing to pray for somebody. And he, went to the, he got up and he went to the back of the church and he brought a young lady forward. He said, this young lady, and she was carrying a baby under a shawl, said, Dave, would you pray? Through the translator, I'm, I'm not doing all the translation or any of the Spanish or anything, but through the translator said, Dave, would you pray for this lady's baby? I said, yeah, I'm happy to pray for this lady's baby. Now, just remember everything that I've spoken about this morning. Let your yes be yes and your no be yes. Will you pray for this baby? Now, I said, if somebody walked up to you and said, would you pray for this baby? Under a shawl, what would you normally say? What would you say? Yes, of course you'd say yes, because you all told me earlier on you believe your prayer works. So let your yes be yes and your no be no. So, and I said, so if you've been a Christian five weeks, the baby's three weeks old, would you pray for this baby? And I said, yes, of course I would. What am I praying for? So the baby's been born with no eyes. Now, I'm being really honest with you now. I, I have. I've prayed for things that God's taken things away. I've prayed, you know, to laugh you know, I've you know, prayed for people who couldn't walk and they walked. I've prayed for people who couldn't hear and they, they heard. And this is God that did this. But my point here was, this was one of the first places where I had to pray a prayer where God needed to create something that wasn't there. Now, that was a moment for me. I don't know if you heard that in the microphone, but I got and, and uh, so I took the baby. And I prayed the best prayer I could. But if I'm really honest with you, I, I didn't have the faith that I needed. I had to have a download of faith too. I prayed with the faith that I had, the best prayer that I could pray. And to this day, I'm, I have not heard that God ever did anything with the eyes of that baby. But here's the miracle that happened. The pastor then turned to the church and said, if anybody else would like prayer, come forward. And he and I and Claudia and some other people stood there at the front, and we prayed for nearly three quarters of the church. We were there for over two hours, and God answered prayers. And so, church, I just want to say, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Let's put faith into action. And so I'm putting faith into action with this scripture this morning. This is not an experiment. I'm not testing God. I'm trusting God. And so I'm going to say this morning, because we're a church who believes in prayer, is any amongst you sick? And do you need prayer? Because if you do, just come to the front. We're not shy. And there's nothing. If, if you need prayer, maybe you can come and Philip or Nancy, unless you want prayer, in which case we'll do that first. But, um, and I just want to offer prayer. If you want prayer, I'm really happy to pray. Nancy, Nancy, could you stand on the other side of the 